0: Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey, listeners, Happy New Year. In this episode, you will hear all about a pharmacy for the public good it's a really exciting episode with ed allman hope you enjoy all right so today we have a special guest on the talk to your pharmacist podcast our guest ed allman holds a bs degree in pharmacy from albany college of pharmacy and health services an mpa degree from the maxwell school of citizenship and public affairs of syracuse university and was a National HMO Fellow at Georgetown Medical School in Washington, DC. He is a member of the President's Advisory Council at Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Services and serves as an adjunct experiential faculty member for the school. He's developed over 30 startup companies and for 16 years served as an HMO founder and CEO at WellCare. He has been a pharmacy district manager A mental health director, county legislator, and was an owner operator of the world renowned Warm Mineral Springs in Florida. Mr. Ullman was named the 1994 Healthcare Entrepreneur of the Year in Southern New England by Inc. magazine and received the CHIP Visionary Award from Sarasota County, Florida in 2007. He's a dedicated and visionary pharmacist and a scientist. Who is currently the CEO and pharmacy manager at Wellness Rx in Tannersville, New York? After expanding his professional service or strengths into the areas of wellness management, he was approached several years ago by the region's business leaders to create a much needed pharmacy and healthcare location. Ed accepted this challenge to bring his vision, knowledge, and wisdom to an area underserved by the pharmacy and wellness industry and returned to his pharmacy roots and supports the health needs of the mountaintop region of the Catskill Mountains. Since then, he has created and built the Wellness Rx Pharmacy into a trusted member of his rural community where health decisions are often needed to be made immediately. What sets Ed apart is his dedication to blending traditional pharmacy with natural medicine. And he leads a talented staff that blends natural wellness remedies right on the premises at the pharmacy in Tannersville, which are very proven uh, and popular. Ed, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast.
1: Well, welcome. Thank you very much, Hillary, and thank you for the uh, the introduction.
0: Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps to that intro or share a little bit about your personal life.
1: Uh, well, everyone has different personalities and I'm the explorer. And, uh, and uh, about a third of my career has been in the pharmacy, independent pharmacy, and except for when I was a pharmacy district manager. Um, Another third was in uh, the HMO industry. And um, uh, at a time when uh, I got involved as a national HMO fellow at Georgetown Medical School, Um, it was a very new concept, especially on the East Coast. And, uh, and it kind of morphed now from HMOs to managed care, uh, but it was uh, bringing uh, expanded uh, primary care services at the heart of an insurance company. So HMOs combined, uh, and they are uh, legislated by each state, but they combine traditional uh, health insurance with the delivery of healthcare. Uh, that's the wisdom of it, and, uh, and early on, um, uh, we were able to find uh, ways to to uh, become the largest uh, HMO in in uh, the Hudson Valley of New York, from New York City up to Albany. Uh, so it was a very exciting time. Um, uh, one thing I really felt great about is that uh, we became the first HMO in the country to, to enroll the Medicaid population, and uh, and now at least in New York, every HMO uh, offers, uh, a, a, Medicaid, uh, coverage and each Medicaid recipient is required to choose an HMO, uh, for their insurance carrier. So it's kind of, kind of interesting, but uh, about a third of my career, I did that. And then, um, the, uh, another third has been, uh, the renaissance guy of traveling the world, studying natural medicine and, uh, um, uh, being involved with, uh, um, an incredible Mineral Lake, uh, so uh, uh, that's pretty much uh, where we are. In the last ten years, has been back into uh, 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 pharmacy, and the main reason Hillary is that I, I, I thought that pharmacy was a very underperforming profession, and that uh, we were overtraining uh, uh, students um, to come out uh, ready to go and um, and giving them uh, uh, less than. The, um, uh, inspiring uh, opportunities to, to to really master their skills, and especially in the clinical areas, and and uh, and so it was very disappointing to me to see that the American healthcare delivery system for pharmacies, as compared to the European, um, I even went to China, uh, um, uh, it's just very very different. Um, that we became so dominated uh, by uh, chain drugstores being. Um, uh, the the prime distribution of pharmacy services that, that the public sees, and how um, um, really mediocre uh, that has has become. And then, with the consolidation of um, power in the hands of very few companies, um, became even less uh, creative or innovative, and and uh, more just like normal American capitalism. Uh, and um, I just thought we could do better than that, <clears throat> so I took the challenge to come back and we and to see if we could create a national model uh, uh, that would work and would would. Uh, uh come up with a strong mission which we have of being a service to others and treating all uh, patients equally regardless of income their race their sex um or or their religion and uh, and i think we've done a great job and uh, we're now trying to perfect it and that road over 10 years now has led us to moving to uh, a nonprofit uh, uh structure uh for greater sustainability and permanence uh Four communities, both in um, the rural areas that got hit first uh, with the uh, the pharmacy uh, deserts, and and now what we're seeing is the urban areas, uh, uh, especially when a the largest CVS announces a closing of a thousand stores or or almost twenty percent of their inventory. That's significant. So uh, that's what we're doing, and we're having a lot of fun doing it.
0: All right! Wow, lots of lots of uh, experience and things to unpack. Uh, from that. So maybe we can kind of um, start with what, you know, you've been in pharmacy for a long time. What do you see as the kind of pharmacy industry or the outlook today?
1: <clears throat> well, I, if I, my numbers are correct, um, we have about uh, 56% of, of, of pharmacists uh, are women and uh, uh, which is a, a trend that I see that is going to continue. And I think it's a very positive trend. Um, I see that, uh, that the uh, emerging pharmacists of the future are gonna look something like the profile of Albany College of Pharmacy, where the majority of the student population is now minorities, um, uh, very heavily with uh, Asian uh, pharmacists and, in particular. I think that trend is going to um, um, uh, continue and then uh, i believe uh, we're losing every year about one percent of our pharmacy base uh, on the retail side so i think we're down to somewhere about 52 to 53 percent at best of pharmacists that are going into retail and uh and then the uh, uh, the remaining population is spread out through uh through industry public sector uh every, all the other uh modalities uh, but so so retail's going down and now coming out of covid um uh, i think that uh, pharmacy has such a rich opportunity to take advantage that uh, during the first round of covid we gave 25 to 30% of all vaccinations and uh, and got involved in in to testing and then on the the uh, uh, on the booster round um i think in many ways pharmacies are giving 70% perhaps of, of boosters if we don't build off of that confidence builder that we have with our patient population and with our national press and with our politicians uh and build off that into expanding our role um as providers and 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 doing more clinical services um, then i think we're having a missed opportunity but in order to do that um uh, and we need to show fresh ideas of having fun in pharmacy and, and using the pharmacy platform uh, to help be, help the individuals uh, to heal themselves to become their own investigators for their own health care and also to be looking at uh, that, that the delivery of drugs is just one mechanism uh, one tool uh, uh, that we have as pharmacists but we have so many other Portable skills in and in, in ways to to expand our clinical uh, 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 skills and 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 uh, and we got to get out there. We have got to get more involved with politics, and we've got to help our state legislatures to expand the role of pharmacists and take on. Sometimes it's the state medical lobbies. Um, uh, sometimes it's uh, pack money. Uh, sometimes it's from the PBMs. Uh, but we got to get more muscular to get legislation uh, that will determine our future and and make pharmacy a lot more exciting um, and rewarding uh, 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 to the pharmacists uh, coming out in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've got such, uh, to your point, highly trained uh, clinicians, you know, that are coming out of, of pharmacy school. Um, even though some of the numbers of applicants are, are dropping, uh, you know, the the training for a pharmacy degree is pretty rigorous. Uh, lots and lots of uh, clinical opportunities we're seeing uh, expanding, which is great. But then, of course, we've got these external market forces that are wreaking a little bit of havoc on, uh, on, you know, the pharmacy profession. So um, you've, you know, been very Uh, aware of some of the other things happening uh, and mentioned, you know, consolidation of uh, different players. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to point at pharmacy benefit managers um, as, you know, kind of the bad guys. Um, What are some of the kind of external forces that you see that are, um, you know, we as a profession should, be a little concerned. about. Well,
1: I, I, I'll start with optimism, uh, uh, Hillary, because, uh, the, the key, uh, to, uh, really a revitalization of, of retail and, and community pharmacy, I still believe is the best platform to do our, our best work, um, uh, uh for it. it. It comes down to reimbursement and, and, um, uh, uh, how in this has happened where, uh, a pharmacist has no input into the contractual process. It's a, mm-hmm. a take it or leave it, uh, where they are under uh, a lot of pressure that if they do something wrong, that a PBM can just cancel their contract. And if that contract is in an area where there's high domination or high market uh, penetration by that PBM, um, like we have in New York with, with CVS Caremark, you're out of business. Once they cancel your contract, you're gone. So, so that is a very unhealthy situation. And that they then, in effect, control your reimbursement. And, 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 uh, and uh, even in the contracts where it says there's an appeals process. You can appeal if you feel you've lost money. Just show us. Mm -hmm. Well, we did a study with third party reimbursement on that. And we found that uh, out of all the appeals, only 3.8% were approved. So they just basically are a waste of time. Um, And and so the reimbursement is really the, the issue. If the reimbursement is fair, just fair. They will be a resurgence and a renaissance in community pharmacy in this country. Um, We will be able to have more capital to be more innovative. Uh, And I think we're going to learn from what we've been doing over 10 years for me, bringing my experiences from outside retail pharmacy back into retail pharmacy. And I think what we're going to be looking at is that uh, uh, community pharmacy will become profitable again, not where the owners have to keep on finding ways to subsidizing themselves to to make it happen, um, uh, and, and uh, uh, where they can take greater risk to expand um, and I think uh, uh, create uh, a, a new uh, model of pharmacy for the next generation. So I see it uh, economically uh, that it starts right there with the reimbursement.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we have seen a lot of good wins at the state level. Um, you know, Tennessee, where I am, just had a really good, um, some legislation come forward about fair reimbursement. And so, you know, you're seeing some wins from Ohio and other states. So it is, it is optimistic um, about all of the the good things that are happening, uh, for that. So you've mentioned a lot about, um, you know, wellness and the the emphasis on that and some of the, um, unique, you know, talents and skills that pharmacists have. What, uh, what are some of the things that you've been able to do at your pharmacy, uh, in terms of wellness and, uh, some of those types of, uh, of, um, services
1: yeah I, I thank you for uh, for asking that because it's been um, a trial and error but we've worked out the first is the environment and and uh, pharmacy has had this history of if you're going to set up your own practice you're told to find a strip mall type location where people can come kind of get in and get out and get home um, uh, try to uh, open up with uh, uh, second uh, secondary uh, uh, um, uh, floor units and display units, and and you end up then with metal shelves, and and uh, and you start looking like a mini chain. Um, so the first thing you have to open up to that the environment is very important, and uh, we chose a old Victorian home, the wraparound balcony, so it's really bringing you back to old pharmacy and uh and so it's uh, all wood walls there's no metal in the store everything is uh, marble slate um um uh, or wood so we brought that in we then brought in a apothecary field so that all the drugs are hidden in the back and all you see is is just a beautiful uh a feel in the front of the pharmacies all apothecary supplies the, all, bringing back old pharmacy in and that history um we then thought that the environment also had to have a colorfulness to it so we have an art gallery throughout um, and uh, we brought in fish tanks for the kids and any Kid coming in, saying hi to the fish. They get a honey stick. So we have all the young kids. They all love coming into the pharmacy. But um, uh, maybe years ago, it might have been a soda fountain. But the... point is, is you got to find ways to make it fun. And, uh, and then uh, we also found that we had to have clinical rooms, um, a a space that we could do um, personal one-on-one counseling or immunizations, but you just can't just do it in the hallway uh, or behind a screen. It's pretty tacky. And uh, so we, we created that And then you have to have respite areas. Uh, um, uh, We have beautiful couches in areas where people can can just kind of take a break or that we, as a pharmacist, can come over and bring over and talk to a family that might be dealing with cancer um, or dealing with substance abuse or something heavy. Um, and um, so we, you have to have different areas where you're able to um, communicate with people differently. If A heart attack would be a different area uh, where they might have just come out with a stent. Um, and, and overall we brought in essential oils, the, the, everything smells good. And so the environment is very important to to set the stage, Hillary, not just for the patient encounter, but for the pharmacist to do their best work. And, and, and so once you start with the environment, um, and, and adequate parking and handicap ramp and, and so on, then you can start to, to move forward. And then what we did was, uh, uh, ask, uh, what is it that, that people need the most? And, and so, yes, it could be point of service uh, uh, type services and, and blood pressure screenings and, and, and the like. But what they really want is to, to, to have you listen to them, um, to have eye contact, that they are not invisible and that coming to the wellness center uh, that happens to have a pharmacy in it um, is about them. It's not about you. They don't particularly want to hear about your story or your life. They want you to listen to them and engage them. And when you carry that kind of feel to it, it becomes part of the culture. Now you have to develop a team. It took us uh, three years to develop a senior management team, so we're capable now to expand uh, rapidly. And and uh, uh, but you have to build the culture of the team, and it has to uh, 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 treat everyone with dignity, and it can't be a top down. Uh, exposure. It, 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 it has to allow for empowerment. Um, so once you get your team in place, and there's a culture that everybody's on the same page, or you're there to be of service to others, and the environment is there, and then you can start to expand into the needs. Now, we found that mental health was um, um, uh, a very, very big need. I was a county mental health director, so I had some background on that. And so we got involved and set up our own mental health division. We have a counselor and staff. We take some of the highest risk patients and we work with them uh, right, in, right with their uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, and we uh, have them come for counseling or we reach out. Um, we also reached out with the organizations dealing with substance abuse and and uh, find that is an important public health challenge uh, for pharmacists to step in. Uh, we also got involved into uh, education. We do a weekly radio show. I did it actually this morning, and that's about uh, on COVID and, and, and hope and sharing the stories that we have with our patients, uh, with our, our listeners. And and uh, and then as we moved into um uh, mental health services, it became very clear that at-home care, pharmacists have got the lead to lead the charge in that. This is more than just having someone come in to clean this person's house. This is uh, uh, me going over the other day and, and uh, for someone I had never met before to give her a COVID shot. And I got there, Hillary, and she had all these ink pens all out on the table. And she said, I'm so scared of needles. And you gave me that shot. It was wonderful. And so I said to her, what are you doing? And, you know, she dueling around. And uh, I said, I'm an artist. And I go, I like what you're doing. And Hillary, she turned around and she gave me this book that she spent all year uh, uh, painting of all animals. The most beautiful book. And she just looked me in the eyes and said, here, I want you to have this for your patient assistance fund. And, and, and I, it was incredible. And, uh, and that's another thing we have. And every pharmacy should have this. You've got to establish patient assistance funds, charitable trust. You've got to raise money from the community to give back to those in need. And do it in real terms so that if it's economics, they can't pay to co-pay or something. Okay, But if you want them to have elderberry tonic to help them boost their immune system as an antiviral, then just give it to them and make it part of how you can help them, uh, both with social services, it, it, it could be for food. Um, and so we've incorporated that into our entire group. Uh, um, program. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And next we'll be moving into telemedicine um, and setting up uh, a department for that. Um, so those are the, all the type of expanded services that we do in addition to the traditional of, of delivery and, and so on.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that you've created it into an experience and a a destination place, because so many times, you know, it's the strip mall or the drive through. And so people that get to go to a beautiful place with, you know, the little, um, you know, soda fountain or the, the honey sticks and the fish tank and in a beautiful Victorian, uh, historic home. Um, that's, that's, really cool. And, you know, another thing that, um, you've mentioned, uh, is about pharmacy desert. So, um, I love that you've gone back to, you know, a small town. Uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, in Mississippi and everybody, you know, the great thing about small town is that you kind of know everyone. And, um, you know, you go to that community, uh, pharmacy and he is, you know, or she is, is taking care of you and your family. Um, and it's just that, that wonderful kind of cheers experience. You go see somewhere where everybody knows your name and, um, but we're, we're losing a little bit of that, uh, in that, you know, we, we are seeing a bit more of these pharmacy deserts closing. Um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what is a pharmacy desert? Maybe people don't know what that is. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think you and... you painted a nice profile of um, of uh, the beauty of rural America, <clears throat> and the you know the, look at the contrast of working at a chain. You sit sitting sometimes QA and prescriptions on your feet in the same space, hour after hour. You look up at the end of the day, you maybe haven't looked at two or three people in the eye and you, you're being asked to fill 350 to 400 scripts a day. You go home, you're exhausted. And and then you got to get yourself psyched up to go back to that again. Boy, when you're living in the rural areas of the model, I just uh, told you, uh, I have fun all day. It, it, it's laughter, everything, uh, stories. The people come in, we just laugh. We, you know, uh, they, they might come in, a uh, guy came in with a mohawk the other day and, oh, my God, we busted his chops and he laughed and it was fun. That's part of healing is to laugh and have fun fun in our history of the profession that's what we did in my town where i am right now hillary uh, the pharmacy um became a desert and had uh, uh you know cvs came and bought the 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 last pharmacy and closed it down and uh and for 10 years there was no pharmacy here until we came and opened up this one and 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 that was what we, we would call a, a pharmacy rural desert. And um and and so uh we, we have a, a, a and the community helped us to get started and it was a win-win. Um I'll give you an example of another area that we are uh that is a pharmacy desert that we are going to be opening up there. And it's about an hour and ten minutes from our, our main uh, uh wellness center. And uh, uh, they lost uh, their own uh, uh, only pharmacy many, many years ago. So they asked us, well, how, what is it going to take for you to expand your model to us? And I said, well, we only do it uh, uh, as a community partnership and therefore you need to demonstrate to us the support of your chamber of commerce, uh, the support of the economic development leaders of the community or the county. Um, we want to see the support of the town government uh, where we want, you want us to be located. And, and if we see that type of universal support, then we can know that we can go in and get the support of the educators of, of the local community this is important that we have a partnership with them. Like we are, are contracted with our local school district to do COVID testing and COVID vaccinations for them. Um, so we want to see that partnership come together so we know that this is sustainable. Um, and then we ask them, I will right, uh, we'll come in. You show me real estate, places where you feel that you would love to see a, uh, a, a beautiful wellness center. And then they get to see the visualization of what we've done in in Tannersville, so they kind of know what we're looking for. And so they bring us the facilities to look at. And then they introduce us to the local foundations. Then they introduce us to local individuals who have done quite well and would might want to contribute. And so so the building of a, a new pharmacy driven infrastructure for primary care and health care in a community um, has to have the whole community support so that you can go from being a, a pharmacy desert where there's nothing within, say, 20 miles um, into something that's beautiful and sustainable. On the urban side, this is getting more scary because the pharmacies that are closing um, are both in supermarkets. And who maybe never had a reason to even get and have a pharmacy, and and uh, and then the chains, and then they leave behind an ugly, uh, not the supermarkets, but the chains. They leave a, a, an ugly scar on the community, and uh, and lead uh, leave the 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 really the medically underserved, and and, and in many cases the Medicaid, um, but uh, higher risk populations with no access to healthcare. Um, uh, certainly no access to pharmacy services. That would be called an urban desert. And uh, and I'll give you an example in the capital of Albany. At one time there were four chain pharmacies within fairly e- easy distance to the capital. There are zero now. That would be an urban desert.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for um, giving some more detail on that. And I love um, kind of the community approach uh that is you know you found to be successful and talk a little bit more about um you know the pharmacy for the public good and um what that means
1: yeah you you know i was i was stunned uh, when I uh, uh, had the, this epiphany that this is the direction that we should go, I, I've had experience. I've been an executive director for uh, the first nonprofit uh, HMO. but uh, So I've had some experience. But uh, I was uh, outside of the uh, two uh, two maybe three pharmacy colleges that have uh, student nonprofit training uh, uh, pharmacies and in, in Albany College of Pharmacy we have two um, and then what we're what you're involved with uh, uh, with the nonprofit uh, organizations serving uh, the medically uninsured in partnership with uh, uh, manufacturers um, I couldn't find any nonprofits uh, other than the federally qualified community health centers, which are really clinic pharmacies, and, and they should be expanding their role a lot more and, and have fish tanks with the kids in the community health centers. But but they, they oftentimes become boring pharmacies to me also, uh, not so much in the talent, but in the look. Um so so I couldn't believe it. So we reached out and we realized that uh, we would be the first uh, uh, community pharmacy um, in America. And um, so we um, applied and over a long process, we got the IRS to approve us as a public charity. I believe it's the first time they ever did this, but we had to make the argument, Hillary, not... About we would say yeah we do dispense drugs but that's only one component. Let me tell you what else we do. And so we had to make our proposal uh, of of public health and how deep we go with that and and with mental health and with that home care and all the things I talked about before. And I think that's why we were able to get the approval. Now that allows us to raise uh, capital through donations and grants and so on. Um, and uh, uh, we were very successful for our new pharmacy that we're opening. In April, um, to raise a hundred thousand dollars from two private individuals, um, um, within two weeks, so uh, uh, that gave us a. a- Community-based to build off of, and then we'll start our fundraising campaign uh, campaign in, in January. Uh, so, so pharmacy for the public good is a is a nonprofit structure. Uh, we're working with the board of pharmacy; they ha- have approved the concept, and um, and working in partnership with them because they want to see this happen too. Uh, remember, we we have a lot more closings of pharmacies in America today, Hillary, than we have um, uh, openings. And in in corporate America, that's called a, a death spiral. That means you you have a dying industry when that happens, and and uh, and so uh, we're going to reverse that, Hillary. This is just the beginning. I'm just doing this as a seed. We're going to do five stores in the next couple of years, and uh, and and that will be enough of a beta site. And then I'm hoping others will follow it and do it uh, for their own communities. Uh, that will be able to help them. Um, So the first nonprofit is in Phoenicia, New York. Uh, Beautiful sign, gold letters, people excited as anything. And, um, uh, and, uh, and that uh, uh, we have a documentary team that's been following us and they'll come in and conclude the documentary with the ribbon cutting. Um, But the partnership is with everybody you can think of in the community cheering us. That's how you win. That's how, that's when you have a community that says, I don't want to do mail order. I want to help my nonprofit community pharmacy. So that's where I'm getting my scripts filled. That's the energy you want to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, you're offering so much hope to patients in these uh, community areas and just all over. I mean, maybe we'll start to see some of these popping up in some urban areas as well. Um, well, such a, such exciting things um, happening, Ed, and, uh, and you've got such a great uh, history and experience, um, not just in the pharmacy profession, but in healthcare more broadly. So one of the questions I love to ask all of our guests is, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career?
1: Wow, it's a, a very good question uh, of, um, uh, and let's just say focused um, uh, on, on, on why one became a pharmacist. Uh, was it a passion play because you want to help people? Or was it because it pays good, good money coming out right away because you have a license and they buy the license? So you better be honest with yourself. What is your motivation? and and hopefully the motivation is to do both to make a good uh, professional salary and compensation so you can take care of your family uh, but it's to be of service to others and to use your skills uh to, to heal and and uh, and and then uh, make sure that you have an environment uh, a job a team that motivates you that really uh, something that you go home and say "I'm damn proud of myself Maybe you might not make as much money maybe that will come in time um, uh, 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 however it, 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 it might be that the heart has to be that you are here for your patients and and that's when you're going to, to be most uh, rewarded and it's very easy uh, when you're're you're younger and ambitious uh, sometimes to to get caught up with with a lot more ego than, than you should. Um, and, and, and that it becomes a, a lot about you and, and how you can get ahead and how you can flip condominiums or make m- and make money and you think you're important or something. Well, you're not. That's just one transaction of it. Stay with the heart. Stay with who you are. Be proud of yourself. And build off that. And if you have a relationship, work on the relationship. I'm now going on forty-four years of marriage, and damn, it's maybe the only damn thing I really have done the best I can say, uh, 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 and I have a great lady, and and um, and uh, and that helps me. She supports me all the way, and uh, I'm a tough uh, hombre sometimes, but uh, uh, but it has to come from the heart, and and your patients will feel that, and and they will trust you. And they will allow you uh, to be their friend, not just their their pharmacist. And and uh, and if you choose a small community, you're going to experience some of the, the grace that I, that that you experienced growing up, and what I have. You're needed. You're wanted. You can make a difference. Um, um, you, you, you're a role model. Use that wisely. And if you choose to chain, uh, uh, then help try to change them to, to, to be better, the best that you can. If you choose industry, uh, if you choose teaching, if you choose public health, um, um, if you uh, choose to be part of a community health center, which I love make the pharmacy different, special, make it involved. You Get out into the community and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and just look at yourself that as a new pharmacist, that you become an ambassador for our profession and, and take that seriously and, and do it to the best of your ability.
0: Well, thank you, Ed. Very inspiring. And I know that our listeners will enjoy getting to, Uh, learn a bit more, and um, maybe even have the chance to go um, see your pharmacy. And uh, if not, can you share more details on the documentary that should be coming out uh, hopefully in 2023?
1: Well, I, uh, um, uh, Angie, uh, is our creative director. So she, um, has coordinated in in everything, uh, for it. Um, it was actually inspired by a pharmacist and, and they made a decision, uh, that, that she could no longer uh, stand working for a uh, chain drugstore, And so she, uh, 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 we she then turned around and uh, and, and partnered up with a uh, uh, a production uh, uh, team, and uh, they made a decision to try to uh, at this time they 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 tried to go hard on what was happening during COVID and with the shortages of uh, pharmacists uh, at the chain level because they were quitting or moving. And that pressure that pushed down on the chains to, to have to close hours, uh, just poor service. And, and so they, they wanted to uh, document that. And then they expanded into trying to be a, uh, uh, a, a activist uh, for the industry and uh, Mm -hmm. trade associations and so on and so when they heard about our uh, model uh, moving into nonprofit, they reached out. And, um, uh, so they, uh, so they are, uh, I, I think they're maybe uh, in their second year. Uh, but the production so far has been to try to, uh, uh, lay out some of the national challenges with PBMs and, and, uh, the pressures. And then they'll probably end, uh, they have several, certain, uh, several documentaries. They'll probably end one, I think with us. And then the documentary they'll do on us will be uh, a hope message of, of, uh, and here we talked about it and here it is real and uh, and how the they the trials and tribulations that we went through to get that up and running. And and now it's real. So I think that um, uh, uh, and then hopefully that sparks them to stay in the pharmacy lane uh, to to uh, be able to capture hot issues that our, our industry uh, is, is, is tackling. And what I like about them, they're not bought, uh, by pharmaceutical ads, um, or, or, uh, big money. Uh, I, I think that they, they're relying on smaller donations and so on, uh, to get ahead. Uh, so that's, uh, that's who they are.
0: Yeah. Awesome. The, yeah. would you like shots with that group? And I know they've got a website. I think that's how we got connected. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, Ed, it has been such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast.
1: Well, Haley, thank you so much. And um, uh, and I hope we brought some insight and, and uh, keep up what you do from your teaching and, and uh, your day job, your night job, now your podcast job. <laughs> So I think you are the Renaissance woman also, Uh, but uh, please keep that up because we need it. We need all of us to do it uh, to kind of counterpunch really um, uh, the meanness of pharmacy, um, I I think, at the chain level. Um, And uh, we just need to do better.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Thanks, Ed.